Let the party begin here in West Lafayette. One of the top five places to watch a college basketball game. I would argue you can't find a better one. Three on the way. Bullseye! I feel the electricity in the house. The path. It's a wall of sound. It's a very bad. Did he score with Ray? This is the Boiler Ball Podcast. Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Rob Blackman. This is episode 78 here on the podcast. And before we get started with our guest today, how about that intro music, Rob? Love the music. More importantly, love the, uh, the live drop-ins from the uh, some of the more historic announcers currently covering college basketball. Dick Vitale's voice in there was pretty cool. Dan Schulman, pretty cool. But the fact that we got a Cliz Bullseye in there, that makes it uh, that makes it perfect. I, I completely agree, and I want to thank uh, William Orbendorf for our new um, Boilerball podcast production assistant for the uh, the help there. He put that together um, and, and dropped in some absolutely great moments in Mackey and the only uh, request on my end was, I said, we have to have a bullseye. Mm-hmm. So we got yep. uh, got a lot of those great calls from Cliz and went through those. That was great. So we, we wanted to make sure we had him in there uh, for sure. So um, appreciate all the help with that, and hopefully people will enjoy that going forward. Episode 78 here, and at this point, we'd like to welcome in Walter Jordan to the podcast. Walter, thanks for taking time to join us here. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So I got to tell you... Um, and for our listeners to know, we'll, we'll, uh, I've, if they see this, they'll know through social media and everything, we'll, we'll post uh, links to it and the like. But um, I should say former Boilermaker, uh, been around the game his whole life, but also a author. And uh, Rob and I just uh, recently read your book, Gracefully Broken. Um, and I want to, we'll definitely spend some time getting into that. Um, but normally... When we do these podcasts, Walter, I, I kind of I ask questions and I really don't know the answer. Um, but now with the book, I get to cheat a little bit, and <laughs> and so the the we always kind of start um, with your upbringing and everything. And and you are a, a Fort Wayne now. You were in Fort Wayne your entire upbringing. Absolutely, I was three years old. We moved to Detroit, uh, but I don't remember uh, that at all. Sure, yeah. Fort Wayne at five, five or six, yes, sir. So the thing that struck me about your upbringing at Fort Wayne was a busy house. Ten, yes. ten kids in the house, right? Yes, well, correct. T- so talk us through that, growing up in Fort Wayne with a house full of Jordans running around. It, it was it was an amazing experience. Um, you know, we had so much love. My mom was a praying mom, and every night she would get on her knees and pray, and um you know, people say we weren't supposed to make it. Or we didn't have much, uh, but we didn't know it, know that because everybody we knew lived like we did. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was it was a a tough time. I look back and I say, people say, "Well, you didn't have anything." I said, "I didn't have anything, but I had everything." We had a solid foundation. We had crazy love. Uh, we laughed a lot. We laughed at ourselves and at each other a lot. We prayed a lot. <laughs> We just, we just, we made up games. We had seven boys in one room and three girls in another room, my parents in the, in the third bedroom. So 
you couldn't help but be very close. You know, you fight every night because feet was in your mouth and you know, whatever. <laughs> but but it, it was it was amazing time. I think that's why we're still we're still so very 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 close. My brothers are my best friends. My my heroes are my three older brothers. Uh, it, it was just a, a, just an unbelievable time. I, we, I say we still living on my mama's prayers because every night out loud on her knees, like clockwork, and she would we'd be downstairs playing and being crazy and, and being kids, and she'd be upstairs. Lord, please help me with this kid because he needs this and she needs that. And, and, but it's, it's just amazing. Fifty six dollars a week. My mom made my dad work two jobs. Both had sixth grade education, and they just basically worked their butt off. We had everything that we needed especially love and a strong Christian faith. And we knew that there was no excuses in the Jordan household. We couldn't say can't. We say can't yet. We can never say just can't. There's always, I can't yet. But it just taught us so much about, about life and in general. So I wouldn't change that for the world. So I appreciate you bringing it up. And our neighbors were phenomenal. Our neighborhood was phenomenal. We have a lot of love now. Even looking back, you know, when I was in childhood, those, those childhood neighbors are still very, very close and like family members. Well, that's one thing that jumped out um, reading reading your book was the and you you summarized it very I mean perfectly. Um, and if for those of our listeners who who read the book or have read the book, um, you know that really jumps out your 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 love for your family and your siblings. And I can only imagine a, I shared a bedroom with just my one brother, and uh, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff that went down in that one room. I can only yeah. imagine with seven in there, but uh in your neighborhood were you guys active in the neighborhood out playing and and, and were sports a part of that or were you doing a little bit oh, of everything oh, oh absolutely if there was a ball involved we were involved we had our <laughs> we had our own team we didn't have to go looking for a three-on-three games one-on-one was an everyday occurrence and and the competitiveness and, and we, we learned to compete and i talk about that in the book we learned to compete at an early age at a high level and just because I was a seventh child, there was three older brothers, and they used to beat my butt. Even when I was at Purdue, I'd come home, and it was like playing in the Big Ten because they, they were no fun. You know, they had, the, they, they had the big brother thing, like, hey, you ain't beating me. I don't give a damn what you're doing, what you, who you are. All Big Ten don't mean anything in a Jordan household. So it, it was it was, it was was a lot of fun, and we laughed sometimes about this about that kind of thing. But one of my, one of my brothers, Charles, he actually was the first walk-on player for Bobby Knight at IU who made the team. He's the one that took my arm, took me hand by hand and basically showed me the game. And, t- and he's still my mentor today in life. So, yeah, for sure. Hey, I want to, Walter, I want to circle back to your mom and dad. And you talk about this numerous times in the book, especially early in the first few chapters, uh, about not only was there a, a lo- awful lot of love in your household, but it was tough love and there was discipline, right? You tell a great story in the book, and I don't want to ruin it for those that are going to buy the book or, or read it, but a great story about your job, your household chore was to mop the kitchen floor every night, right? And if it wasn't if it wasn't done correctly, then 5 o'clock the next morning, your mother would have you up in your underwear out there mopping the floor, right? I mean, there, in your house, there were rules that were to be followed. And if you did not follow those, there there would be uh, ramifications. Absolutely. I, I, love, I love you bringing that story up. You know, I, I, one of my favorite stories when we had played, I guess, Michigan, and we had Mondays off, something was going on. We played on Saturday, and Easy and I drove back. I'm usually parking, I drove back to Fort Wayne, and... I was excited because I had some friends waiting on me who's going to go hang out. So I get to my dad's house. He's got 
his friends on the playing cards on the on the on checkers on the on the deck. But when I got home on the porch, front porch, when I got home, and so I thought, you know, my dad, he always kept us humble, right? My dad says, uh, and I, I said, Dad, you see the game? You see the game? We had just beat Michigan, and you know, I had a pretty good game. And he said, Yeah, I saw the damn game. He says. Go in there and mop that kitchen floor. (laughs) 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 It it had a way of keeping us humble. And then then I'll be in there mopping the kitchen floor, and he'll be on on the deck playing checkers and bragging about me to his friends. (laughs) But but that that was a common common thing in our family. We still laugh about those stories today. They knew how to keep us humble, and, and that's for sure. That's that's great. Rob liked that story so much because he just mopped his kitchen floor in his underwear last night. So he he could relate. <laughs> he related well to it. Well, I appreciate that, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of mopping. <laughs> now, Walter, I you know that that sense of like uh, you know everyone do your job and nobody's above a certain job. Um, you know that that just lends itself so well to a team concept. And I know, like now in our team, um, that gets talked about a lot. Coach Painter's a big, you know, emphasizes that a lot on do your job and no one's above any job. And, you know, I always always know when we take our first road trip of the year, if you get some guys who jump in there and help with the bags and, you know, all hands on deck, kind of help with the travel party, I'm like, okay, we got a chance to be pretty good this year because – it tells me those little things tell me that nobody's above any, any kind of duty. And and at the end of the day, you're kind of all in it together. Absolutely. 110%. One of my favorite sayings is teamwork. Teamwork always works. Teamwork always works. I've always been a part of the team. I've never accomplished anything by myself. I just believe, I don't understand people ever think they can accomplish anything by, by anything great. Everybody has a team. Everybody. And sometimes they're silent, but they're, they're and uh, I just believe in teamwork. I believe that, you know, one of the things that I love about Matt Painter is that because in, he includes us older guys. A lot of times we get forgotten because, you know, the, the, the guys that's reporting are younger. They don't remember us. And that's okay. That's, that's a blessing getting old. That's okay. Yeah. But, but you know, Coach Painter uh, and I communicate a lot. We text each other. The fact that he read my book and the fact that, uh, the, the comments, and he, he also called Dick Satterfield and said, hey, man, Walt wrote a book. You need to get it. So I get a call from Dick Satterfield. Dick Satterfield says, hey, man, I heard you wrote a book. So uh, Coach Painter and I communicate, like I said, and I ask him all the time how he said, I love this team. He loves his team. And one of the things he loves the, t- the team because of their character, because of their work ethic, because they understand that uh, they're, they're fun to watch. I mean, I love watching them. Uh, you know, they're, they're out there battling. I expect, you know, like I told him, I, I texted him recently, I said, I'll see you in New Orleans. But, you know, it's decided the Final Four. But those are kind of things that that that, that, that I, I, I love to see in sports, especially if it's a Purdue Boilermaker team. Come on, I mean, that's what we die for as alumni, is to see a team get it, see them play together, to see them fight together. You know, one, I've always considered myself a winner. And one of my biggest regrets is not taking that leadership role. We had such a young team my senior year with all the new freshmen and not knowing Coach Shouse was going to retire. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing at Purdue I, I wish I'd, I'd taken a strong, stronger leadership and, uh, and, and grab hold of, of, of what we need to do because we had talent. We just didn't, didn't get it done. Uh, so, you know, I, I look back on that more than anything else. And 
Um, not the not so much as the wins of big games, but God, we should have finished stronger. God, we should have should have done this. I could have done that. I could have done this. I wish I knew Coach Johnson's time. Maybe we would have rallied around that. But those are things I look look back on, and uh, you know, I have no regrets because I I wouldn't change a thing. I had a flat out ball. I love my four years at Purdue. I've got friends that blows me away. I had a book signing in Indianapolis um, this past week, and we we were four or five different locations and. Doug Bobilia, who was the senior manager on that Purdue on my Purdue team, he, yeah, he drove three and a half miles, three and a half three and a half hours from Michigan City to come get my book signed, take a picture with me. Oh that, wow! That does in the rain, and uh, that's just 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 Boilermaker love and its finest, and just just I, I just feel so loved by uh, my Purdue Boilermaker families, and I'm so I'm so appreciative of that. Well, I know that uh, we've had a great relationship with you, and I know that uh, anytime there's anything bubbling down south we always reach out and i know you and coach talk quite a bit to kind of get your take on some things especially if there's any players in your area recruits or things like that and you've always been uh been really good and communicated with uh, with us and uh, we we certainly appreciate that um i wanted to wanted to bring up you mentioned your your uh, time here at purdue and i want to get into that a little bit more and obviously a very successful career but it didn't necessarily start uh, you weren't as proficient when you started when you started playing. Tell, take us through when th- that first tryout when you were uh, in your youth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, knowing my family, I should have known that was going to be a huge backlash because uh, we we you know we taught we retired at an early age. You don't follow anybody, and uh, so we all said we all unique and you supposed to make your own path. I remember my best friend. He his name was Raymond Causey, and we you know in fifth grade and. He's, he's a pretty good athlete, I and mean, he's a lot better basketball player than I was, even though he's pretty terrible, too. So, <laughs> so he says to me, the day of tryouts, he said, hey, man, I'm going, I'm going to try out for the team. He said, you should come. So I figured if Randy's done try out, I'm afraid he might make the team, and then I'll lose a friend. So yeah. I said, yeah, man, I'm going to try out. So uh, it didn't take long. I think I, I had about three-minute uh, spell there. I went, they got the right-hand layup. I, I did okay. I missed the layup, but I got to the left-hand layup. I, I just got the ball and started running. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the coach says, Jordan, come here, bud. He said, where's your, he said, where's your, where's your book bag? I said, over there. He said, you can get it and go home. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I, I was, I was good with it, but you know, it was like in Indiana at that time, it was like maybe 20 degrees and it's cold outside. So I figured I got cut. So I might as well wait till Randy get cut. Cause I, I said a few minutes later, he'll be cut. So I wait out there in the cold, and he comes out. How did you know I was going to get cut? But I said, you're not much better than me. <laughs> he starts crying, and I'm I'm okay. But then I start crying because my friend's crying. Yeah. So I get home, walk in the house, and I'm crying. My big brothers, you know, they got no sympathy for me. You big sissy, why are you crying? You expect to make the team? You didn't do it. You didn't play no basketball. You don't know nothing about basketball. And stop following people. So I, I heard that for about a week and a half. So – it was just, you know, then I'm crying, and my mom said, leave that boy alone. Stop picking on that boy. But she said, they're right. So, <laughs> so did that light a fire? Did that or, – or, you know, what? at what point did basketball then click and become a big priority for you? Well, you know, the next year, you know, that, that summer – well, that that uh, that year, my brother Charles started taking me to the, to the court one-on-one, and I learned how to shoot a layup. He's on the line, so you step with your right foot, and you – it's a rubber band from your elbow to your knee. And you shoot the left hand, you just make a layup. 
So I got I, I made a left hand layup. So in the sixth grade, I went out to the team. I lasted at least uh, a half the practice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're getting better. We're making making strides here. Yeah. So everybody's making fun of me, and, and then we go into the seventh grade. I get to seventh grade at middle school at the time. That's when middle school started, and uh, I tried out for the team. I want, all I wanted at that point, I just wanted a uniform. I just want to make the team. I just want to be on the team. Yeah. That was my. So when I got there, uh, I saw the list of players that made the team. There's 22 guys that tried out for the team. All 22 made the team. So imagine that seventh grade got 22 players on the team, and I was the 22nd best player, and. Uh, um, I got to play at halftime. They used to call the comedy squad with the fireworks <laughs> on each team. <laughs> I, 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 Walter, I have to stop you there because I read that in your book. I consider myself to be pretty knowledgeable on basketball. I had never heard of that until I read it in your book. The comedy squad, right? The five worst players from both teams played each other at halftime. <laughs> That's amazing to me. I've never heard of that. Yeah. that's. What, I don't know who came up with that. But, it, it, you know, I look back, I, I started laughing. I mean, I, I was just crap. And the thing about it, my uniform, I school was Fairfield, and they even spelled my Fairfield on my jersey. So can you imagine that? <laughs> you're horrible, man. You might as well give it up. You quit, man. You, you're horrible. And so I, I laughed, and then that just really motivated me. My brothers were always telling me, you, you got two choices. You can prove them right or you can prove them wrong. Which one are you going to choose? And so that's the kind of stuff I was getting at home, regardless of what people were saying about me away from home. So I, I thank God I listen, learned to listen to the right people, the people that loved me and had my back. And then the ninth grade, those guys were laughing at me, was sitting on the bench watching me play. So. Yeah, I was going to say, you you ultimately got the last laugh. I don't think anybody when you were when you're older was laughing anymore. Um, looking back, did anybody from your youth – were they ever anybody else? Were they on the level that you were in terms of basketball when you got to be, you know, in high school? Well, absolutely. There's a name that I know all Purdue Boilermaker fans know and probably don't know this story. But Fred Arrington, the the, the Purdue great linebacker, yeah, he uh, at Purdue. Um, Fred went to grade school, middle school, high school in Purdue with me, same class. Wow. Okay. Fred, Fred was an amazing basketball player. In fact, ninth grade year, Fairfield, he led us in scoring. Fred could shoot the basketball. He's a great athlete. So Fred Arrington uh, was one guy. And then uh, Fred, here's another story about Fred real quick. Fred was uh, on the JV our junior year, uh, well, my sophomore year. Fred led the JV in scoring in basketball. And then uh, come back his senior year, he would have been on that state championship team. He had already got a scholarship Purdue. Purdue. At 17, he decided to not go off of the basketball team because he wanted to get a job to go help support his mom and his family. Oh, wow. And wow. see, so I was surrounded by greatness then, and I didn't even know it. Wow. So, and there's a guy by the name of Mike Muff. Mike Muff was an amazing player. He was uh, more mature than I was. He, he, he started varsity as a sophomore. Uh, he's my running mate in, co- in high school. Probably one of the best teammates I've ever had. He's a, tw- a walking twenty twenty guy. I mean, he was amazing. I mean, he, he loved the big game. I love the big game. We played for each other and we, we supported each other. But Mike ended up going to Murray State and had a great career at Murray State. In fact, our senior year in seven, he was thirteenth leading scorer in the country. He was my high school teammate. So those two guys stand out. Of course, uh, other guys are all doing well. All five of us my senior year. Uh, got scholarships to go play college basketball. 
And I know in the book you talk a little bit about your recruitment and some of the teams that uh, that came calling. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when you go through that, uh, who does it come down to? Who who's your final? Like in your you know nowadays, you would tweet out your list and your final <laughs> five and everything, right? But in those days, like in your mind anyway, who was who was in your final two or three schools? You know, it's it's just amazing. And and, uh, my mom had passed away a week before my senior year. So that senior year thing is just a blog for me. I mean, I I just look ahead because God has hands hands all over that. I go from having one scholarship offer to Edinburgh State uh, to basically a four-week period where all season I played well. I I started to develop out 6'5". They let me play guard. And I was recruited as a guard, 6'5 guard at the time. I grew three inches at Purdue. Then I made a mistake of showing people I could rebound a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Got stuck. But it, it was a situation, man, where uh, I thank God I wasn't a five-star player. I thank God I was not that guy that everybody was hovering over because, you know, I don't know what my head would have been like, what you know, what, what, what kind of vices would have came my way. You know, yeah, I think God, yeah. I, I was just a guy that was steadily improving and getting better and being humble. All I wanted to do is win. We won state championship in Indiana. You know how big that was. Yeah. With the single, single champion. And I happened before we period in the state tournament. I had a, I had a great run. I mean, I, I had a great – I couldn't have dreamt that. And so uh, I remember 17,000 playing in Bloomington. We have a Monday off because the, the superintendent schools canceled school for foreign community schools. So everybody on Monday, come back on Tuesday, I got a box of letters from coaches that I only dream of. And, and I get called from my home run, so you need to come to the office, AD office, because you got this this box. I get there, and I, I mean, it's letters from everybody. Then Bob Donawall shows up from Indiana. Lewis, uh, Coach Orr shows up from Michigan. I mean, at, at school, on campus, yeah. like the next so I'm I'm completely blown away. I'm calling my brothers. I don't know what, what the hell to do here. So, you know, <laughs> I, it, it completely blew me away. But being being from Indiana and knowing how big Indiana State tournament is and knowing that everybody our eyes is on us, I'm playing against a great player like Wayne Walls. Wayne Walls is incredible. And I, I don't think people know how good Wayne Walls was in high school. So to be able to beat them and play against Wayne like like we did. And so I think all that contributes. So my final five choices, I love Notre Dame. But Notre Dame was one of the, one of the few schools in the Midwest that didn't recruit me. So Digger Fitzels uh, didn't like me since I was a sophomore. My, my secretary was a big Notre Dame fan because I love Notre Dame. I love uh, Brokaw and Clay. When they beat UCLA, I followed them because you know, we, we had very limited exposure to college basketball back then, not like they do now. Yeah. In Fort Wayne, Notre Dame was what we got, WGN and the Bears and the Cubs and all that. So – it was a situation where I came down to, I, I liked it. Everybody thought I was going to Indiana because my brothers, two brothers and sisters went to Indiana. Indiana. I spent my summer time in, 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 in Bloomington. I knew the campus backwards and forward. And I used to tell people that Jordan Hall is named after me. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but I, I love Jordan again. It's a love IU. So they were in my, one of my finals. Uh, then it was Michigan, Michigan State, uh, and then uh, Marquette, and then uh, – then Purdue. Purdue was fifth. I mean, they, they were not in my top radar until Eugene Parker came out and uh, did his thing. So, but, uh, yeah, so that those, those are my final five. I wanted to stay close to home. I had three younger brothers, and I was the oldest child at home, and I wanted to get back and watch them uh, play, and I wanted them to be able to watch me play and be easy to get back and forth uh, to see my, my, my family. 
You said Eugene Parker did his thing. I don't think you're doing it enough justice here, Walter. <laughs> I, I mean, you weren't the only reason you get recruited to begin with at Purdue is because Eugene, on his recruiting trip, said, "Hey, you want to drive down to West Lafayette with me?" Is that right? And you're like, "Yeah, sure, I'll go for the ride. Why not?" Next thing you know, the now I also read where the Purdue coaches were calling you by the wrong name while recruiting you. So you must have been pretty loyal to Purdue. They couldn't even get your name right on the recruiting trip, and yet you still decided to come to Purdue. Oh, absolutely. I had, I had uh, extreme confidence in, in, in uh, Eugene. I had a tremendous amount of respect for Eugene. It, I can't think of, besides Freddie Arrington and him and, and probably Mike Muff, I can't think of anybody in my same age group I respected more than those two, of course, Rain McCauley, but... Eugene was watching as a sophomore. He was so mature as a sophomore. When I was playing JV, he was the man in the city. He was the top of the town. He, he was amazing. The way he carried himself. I remember going to the game as a sophomore, watching him play, and just blown away and having a chance to chat with him. But then he became somebody I could, I could measure up with because I know Eugene was working. Eugene's working, so I got to get my butt up. I knew he was in the gym. So my, three year, my two years in high school, my junior, senior year, Using my measuring stick, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. Usually, usually, playing seven hours a day. I need to play eight hours a day. That was just my attitude. <laughs> so when Eugene uh, was Eugene being recruited by Tulane and Tulane and Purdue, and I thought Tulane was going to be his, his choice. He really liked it there, but he's an up on recruit from both of those schools. Audie Matthews in Illinois, he was Purdue's, I think, second uh, big pick, big recruit. And um, when I went down, they expected I to show up. But I didn't show up because I think he had already committed to, to Illinois. They knew how to get you before you get to Purdue. So, he, so they had already got I to commit. And so when I get there, the, the coaching staff expecting I to show up, not knowing that he's already committed. So they assumed that it's him. <laughs> <laughs> they start calling me Adi. I always say, I'm off to Georgia. And I would smile. And then on the way back home, Eugene was saying, you know, hey man, you know, because hey man, you 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 and I could start backcourt because I was I was six five playing guard. I mean, we could start backcourt, man. We can do some serious damage. He started painting the vision for me, so man, we can win. We can win the Big Ten, man. It's gonna be tough, but we can win the Big Ten, man. He said. And then next thing you know, uh, I prayed about it, and, and I didn't want to go to Indiana because my brother uh, was there, and my sister was there, and I just said, well, you know what, I, I like Purdue. Um, then they start. They put the full court pressure after me when they found that I was interested, and then I made official visit, and then that's when I, I committed. I just felt I felt really good about it. I wanted to be with Eugene. I wanted to play with Eugene. I wanted to play with Wayne Walls, even though it scared the hell out of me after I, after <laughs> I committed and found out that Wayne's committing. I said, "What the hell is he doing? Why is he coming?" <laughs> but it end up we end up being best friends and it worked out both of us starting for four years so it was, it was all three of us so it was special it was special no question you talk about how that box of letters shows up at your high school and you make that magical run in the state tournament win the state championship do you think you maybe flew under the radar was it because you were still growing like were you were you a late developer physically well i, I think i thank god for my coaches because in high school I had coaches that had coached my older brothers at Central High School, and the Jordan name was pretty good as far as you know, character and and, and, and work ethic and all that. We had great. You know, my my six older older siblings had laid a great foundation for me. So when I got to Northrop, they know that I was. I, there's certain things and standards that we live by. You yeah. Know? But when I got to Northrop, I was still awkward a little bit. But yeah. I, 
I would make a move, but I was so weak. I'd make a great move and cry, oh, but I, w- I couldn't finish because I wasn't strong enough. Yeah. I enough. They could see it coming. So they, they let me handle the ball. They let me, you know, play guard. I, I got to start because there was a guy by the name of Jimmy Webb my junior year out of South Bend. You guys might remember that name. He's All-American with the Cincinnati. But the year before, when I was a sophomore, Jimmy had came into uh, our high school and scored 40 points on our varsity. So we had nine seniors coming back my junior year, only three three juniors, Mike Muff, Tom Maddens, myself. So the second game of the season, Coach says, anybody here want to guard Jimmy Webb? But Jimmy's coming to our hometown. Just score 40. On, on <laughs> Nobody wants to guard him. So I put my hand up. I said, yeah, I'll guard him. I'll guard him. And so um, – and I played six minutes the first game. This is my junior year. I played six minutes and scored six points my first game. And I thought that I had arrived. <laughs> <laughs> but here I was now. I'm guarding Jimmy Webb all day. Is that day, All week, that week, my teammates trying to tell me how to guard. I said, you know how to guard. Why don't you guard him? So long story short, um, they, South and Adams come in. They rank like one or two in, in the state. And we beat them. Uh, Jimmy scores 28 points. I have 16. And we win the game. So – Here's my junior year. I'm the defensive stopper. I guard. I guard all the leading scores, regardless of position, from, from Eugene Parker to, to, to Tony Marshall to Roy Taylor. I guarded all the, the leading scores my junior year. Wow. And that helped me with my confidence. Mm-hmm. And and then the fact that I was on the floor, and I think I ended up averaging 14, 15 points a game, which completely blew me away, but no one was talking about me my senior year. They were talking about all the other great players in the city coming back my senior year. You know, I, I didn't even make Arbor Mitchell in our city or everybody that called Arbor Mitchell in our city my junior year. Wow. So all, all that I contribute to, I contribute to my humbleness, my work ethic, my hunger, and prove them right or prove them wrong. That was my model, prove them right or prove them wrong. And so all all that stuff happened for a reason, man. I, I have regret. I think God I I always say faith and family, find your purpose and focus and then finish the drill. So those five F's helped me through my life. Well, you talk about the your time at Purdue, 75 through 78. Um, you you certainly accomplished a great deal individually. Um, you're our ninth all-time leading scorer, over eight, just over 1,800 points, almost nearly 900 rebounds, 882 rebounds. Um, you know, I it's always amazing, guys that played in your era – when you look at the numbers, and like for instance, for our listeners, Jawan Johnson is the is eighth on our all time scoring list. You're ninth, yeah. And Jawan, it took him 31 more games <laughs> to get you by 100 points. Like it's amazing to me sometimes the what your averages were uh, back in those days. I mean, you you guys could really put the ball in the basket, and uh, if you had the amount of games that some of the players do now. A lot of you guys would be a lot further up the, uh, the the career scoring list. But a great career here at Purdue. And something I've always wanted to ask one of you guys, and I've never had the chance to, because I I've, I used to be the SID before I was doing basketball operations for Coach Painter, so I was really into the history of the program. Yeah. yeah I, remember I remember that. You did a great job. Too, by the way. Well, thank you. And so I remember at, when I would go to the archives and I would read about your teams, and when you guys got the moniker Soul Patrol, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I just wanted to know, like, your recollections of that, where it came from, your thoughts on it, that whole that whole thing. It's still pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I think I think it's like the coolest thing about Purdue basketball that for people of a certain age, they probably don't know much about. 
No, they they really don't. And Dick Satterfield, who's the lone white guy, <laughs> but Dick Satterfield and I are very very close. I mean, like brothers. Yeah. And that experience was a big part of because Dick was a tremendous leader, you know. And he loved playing with us, and we, he loved pointing out stuff to us, and, he, and we loved him pointing out things to us. So we didn't know. We were just ignorant on ignorant on fire. We come out, and <laughs> we, uh, we always say something's gonna happen, good, or bad, or something. Something's gonna happen. <laughs> we didn't know what comes out to know what, but something's gonna happen. <laughs> Must see TV. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And we had so much fun because the, the fans embraced it. When we can't, when we got to the scores table, you see us coming to the scores table. Crowd was going berserk, and we and we were just so fired up uh, that we didn't think about anything. We were just going to outwork you. We're going to run the floor. We're going to turn the ball over. <laughs> so we're going to have fun, right? And we had so much fun with that. I have no idea where the name came from, but it stuck all these years. It stuck, and and, and like I just talked to Dick like last week. And we always refer back to the Sober Show. And, you know, <laughs> it's just great memories. And, you know, now Mackie gets when something special is going on. and Something special is going on. And then uh, I missed that a little bit when he put me in the starting lineup. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's trying to win some games. And, you know, only take two, one or two teams, if the most two teams, one team to the, to the dance. So 32 teams, we're trying to get to the dance every year. Not like you finish in anywhere fifth, sixth, or seventh. We never did that. I think we finished third, like, in the Big Ten, when the Big Ten, I thought was one of the best conferences ever. Think about the talent that was in the Big Ten when we played. I mean, every yeah. team had every, every team had NBA players from McHale to, to Michael Thompson to Magic to the IU team, great IU team. Every team, Hubbard, Ricky Green, Ronnie Lester, I can name Wes Matthews. I can name on, on and on and on. Yeah. And people, and people don't don't realize how tough the Big Ten was when we played. And it was it was amazing. Every night you had to. You had to lace them up. My brother will always says rough in the Big Ten, and uh, and that's just the Big Ten. That's the way it is now, and that's what it always has been. So when you guys when you guys would sub in, did did Coach Shouse do that a lot? Where five of you would go to the table at the, at the same time? Especially in, and especially in, in preseason, non conference schedule. Yes, he did that a lot. And then I I started in Wayne Walls, and I started. I remember the first start um, at home in Michigan State. I think my freshman year. Wayne Walls, I, uh, this Michigan State, the freshman year we started, I think I had 28 and Wayne had 26. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it was never that easy again, but, <laughs> but it, it, you know, it, it shocked everybody and shocked us. And, uh, but we, we, that's when we knew we could play in the Big Ten. Oh, that is awesome. I, I think back, you know, you look at our program, we've had some great nicknames over the, you know, Soul Patrol, Big Dog, you know, the Three Amigos, the Baby Boilers. I mean, there's been some pretty cool nicknames well, coming through here. And, uh, but I think Soul Patrol might be my favorite. So, well, I appreciate so it. that's it a lot. Big Dog stands out to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good too. That might be one and one A, I think. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me about, would you say your your junior year, probably the team that had the most success, on-court success, um, you know, talk about that team. I mean, you guys were you guys were a really good team, ranked for a lot of the year. Um, you know, you got the, you sweeped Indiana, or you swept Indiana that year. You got the sweep over our arch rivals. Um, you know, you, you, you play North Carolina in the, in the tournament um, to a three-point game. So you guys had success throughout the season and then just come up a little bit short in the NCAA tournament. But, t- but talk about that junior year. And, and safe to say that that's probably your 
the best year you had in terms of a team? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was a year where we clicked. You know, we, 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 we had fun. We, we looked forward to practice. Everybody was on the same page. We played for each other. We had high character. We had senior leadership. Uh, you know, when you have senior leadership, it, it, it helps. You know, we had outstanding guards. I mean, you talk about Eugene Parker and Jerry Seastein and Bruce Parkinson. I mean, you got that kind of guard play, man. And then you got Wayne Walls and you had Thomas Shelter and we had Joe Barry Carroll and we had Gerald Thomas. I mean, those guys are just that's a special spot in my heart because those guys all played. We all played for each other. And then we came back up. We just we just fought and fought and fought. And Bruce Parkinson got hurt. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Right before the tournament, and he, he was hurt. And Gary Seastan was supposed to start, and and then Bruce came, and he, he, he I'm not sure he was 100, percent but he played well. And uh, we had some turnovers that we had to leave with about maybe some to go. And then we knew we couldn't get them the lead because once they got the lead, they were going to four corners with Phil Ford, and we were in trouble. So we yeah. we, we we fought, and you know it's a tough. Here you go. Tournament, you know, thirty-two teams, and we end up drawing North Carolina at North Carolina. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That that's tough enough to go, but we we felt that we could beat them, and I still think if we gotten by that 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 game, it would have gave us the confidence. I think the first game is always toughest. Yeah. And if we got by that, I like I like I would have liked our chances to make it to the final four. I would have really liked our chances. That's how good I thought we we were, and uh, just one in the cards, but. Uh, that was that was a great year for us, and I felt really good. In fact, I think that year is what enabled me to have a tryout for the USA uh, or University game team, which was invite only, and had some of the best players in the country there. Yeah, you mentioned that team in your book, and boy, that team was loaded with some great talent. And uh, you know, you got a chance to play with that team. And I, I want to get into your pro career, but before we move, turn that page to your pro career. What was? Give me your thoughts of, of being a student here at Purdue in those days. What was what was life like here in West Lafayette in the mid seventies? Well, one of the things that you know we we talk about a lot because I was really close to football players too, and because of Fred Arrington. Yeah, and I would go. I make sure I was at the game early when Fred when Purdue was at home. But I, I remember the band marching band marching to campus on its way to the stadium. Yeah. Our, getting us fired up. That means go up, get something to eat, and get over to the stadium. But <laughs> I remember those games. I, 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 remember, I missed the football games a lot. You know, back then, our football, you know, no telling who's coming into the stadium. You had Archie Griffin, uh, Ricky Bell from USC, uh, Pete Johnson. I mean, our football, Michigan was number one. You know, I mean, wow. our, football, our football team competed, you know, really, really hard. I mean, yeah, about town. I was really close to those guys, so. I, 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 we, 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 we laugh sometimes because they still come to my house. We still get together, uh, <laughs> football players. That's awesome. So, yeah, so, I mean, I, uh, I I just I had too much fun. I mean, it should have been a law against how much fun I had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it, seriously, it, it was a unbelievable, unbelievable, uh, the, the fans, the student body, just the closeness, man, the love. I, I can feel the love, like now, just talking about it, the love they had for us. And I remember the IU games where they're, they're painting out pictures and artists are painting out pictures on sheets and hanging them out the dorm rooms, and, you know. And uh, it, it, it's just it's just an amazing experience, man, and uh, wouldn't change it for the world. That's awesome. I think uh, any of us who and, – and Rob's in the booth on uh, football Saturdays, and uh, I'm over at the stadium quite a bit. I, 
I think anybody who goes who's on a college campus, especially the one, one of the size of Purdue, when it's a football Saturday like that, it's hard to beat in the fall when oh, that, I, that buzz I, in the air and everybody getting together to kind of rally around a you know a team and and the same uh, university and kind of everybody pulling the rope in the in the right direction. It's it's pretty it's a pretty cool thing. Absolutely, absolutely. So then, talk us through your you your time wraps up here in West Lafayette, and and now the next chapter of your life. And um, th- was it something that were you aware, like as a college player, like oh, I'm gonna, I want to, you know, I want to be a professional basketball player one day, or is it something that just kind of happened, um, you know, along the, as part of your journey? I never thought about think about uh, being in the NBA per se. Um, my mom, the last word I heard her say, and I didn't know she was passing, I went to visit her after practice my senior year. And because um, I just love the game, I just love to play. And uh, I remember her telling my dad that boy's going to be a pro. Wow. I heard my mom say so. Uh, as I got closer to that time frame, I started to mom what she said. That inspired me. And, and, and when I left Purdue, I got drafted by the Nets. And, and at that time, the Nets was having a serious financial problem. The NBA went from 12 men to 11 men rosters because of that, before Bird and Magic. Yeah. And then ABA had folded. So hundreds of jobs disappeared. Mm. Uh, this is my timing. So I got drafted by the Nets. I was the last player cut the day before the, the game, the uh, first regular season game. I played really well. I think I shot 60%. Uh, six exhibition games, and everybody expected me to make the team. But I was battling uh, somebody had a guaranteed contract, and I didn't. Uh, so I was cut. I went to something called WBA, which is a really good league in, in the Tri-Cities and Pasco and Kennewick in that area in Washington. I played there with some great coaches, great league. Only lasted one year. Big-name coaches from Hubie Brown to Bill Musselman. Those guys was coaching in that league. So it made all league, and I was doing really well. And then, like, the last game of the season, we had went out and party because we, we had just got beat in playoffs. So we were all going home. And <laughs> I woke up and I, I couldn't walk. I had some colitis syndrome. So it was a rare disease. And I woke up and I couldn't walk. My knees and ankles were swollen up two or three times in size. So I went to five different specialists, found out what happened. Along that time, the next day, I got a call from Denver Nuggets who's getting ready to sign me because George McGinnis got hurt. Mm. And I, I, I couldn't tell him I was hurt. I kept praying, like, Lord, please let this go away. Then they had somebody call me the next day say, we called to get your flight arrangements. And I had to tell them, uh, mm. I can't, I'm not healthy. So I, I, that whole six months, I was couldn't walk. And then, like, Lord, grant me another opportunity to be able to not only walk, but to be stronger than I ever was. And I came back, and Bill Musselman called me. He had recruited me in college. He played coach against me in college, recruited me out of high school, coached against me in college, coached against me in the WBA, knew me, knew me, and he says to me, he says, I'm going to be named head coach of Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow. And he says, I want you to come play for my LA Summer Pro Pro team. He says, you belong in the NBA. He says that to me. Wow. And so... I'll make you feel good. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Finally, was perfect. I was healthier now, stronger than I ever was. I went out there and I had a great summer league and I had a choice of time between Houston and uh, the Cavs. And Houston was very, very good at the time. You remember with the, the Twin Towns and all that. But yeah. I ended up signing with Cleveland, Coach Muslim, because of his loyalty. So uh, that's, that's what happened there. 
so you get your you get your crack uh, in the NBA, and then um, you had quite a, a pro journey. I mean, you had a lot of stops along the way. You talk about the, the WBA, you talked about the NBA, uh, some stops overseas. Um, yes. In, in all of your basketball, professional basketball time, was there one or two spots that maybe you just was just a great time of your life, and, and maybe it was just the place you were living as as much as it was the basketball. Oh, a- absolutely, it was. Uh, I made a mistake. I should have stayed in Spain. I should have made. But I was I was happened to be in, in, on the beaches of Spain. I lived on the beaches of two different cities in Malaga and also Barcelona. So what happened was I uh, was threatening to, to, to hold out and not come back my third year because. I was seeking more money. I, I, was, I was pretty good. I was damn near the foreign player of the year over there. It's great, great time. I only played what, what was really good about it. I only played one game a week mm. and one practice a day for two hours a day. That's nice. all. Yeah. My body was really, 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 really in good shape. And it wouldn't beat my body up. So I got the, the reputation of being injury prone in the NBA. And when I was overseas, I never had any issues because the load wasn't as heavy on my body. Yeah. But long story short, that was just a beautiful time. I had, you know, anytime you go over, you get you get tax free money. Uh, they give you a penthouse and they give you a Mercedes to drive free. <laughs> you're not spending money because everywhere you go eat, people say, "Oh, Jordan, hey, Pasa, we got it, we got it, we got it." Yeah. So it, it was it was a great time, and I made the mistake, and the the, the, the rules said that I couldn't come back after I went play in the NBA. Went over there and played. It was a Rumby Hagen rule. You guys might remember that name. It was a Rumby Hagen rule at the time. So I couldn't come back after I went to the NBA. Came over there and went back to the NBA. Even though I didn't, didn't, didn't sign the NBA, I signed the contract. Mm. And I did camp, so I couldn't go back over to Spain. So. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good situation. Beaches, Mercedes, <laughs> penthouse. Yeah. that's. <laughs> and then a young guy like me, single at the time, he had topless beaches. I probably shouldn't say that. But. <laughs> Hey, life comes at you fast, Walter. It's it's all part of it, right? <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's great. You know, I I always get I always talk to some of our former guys and some guys we've had recently. The guys who are able to go play overseas, I'm always just I'm so envious. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of a few foreign trips here with the Purdue basketball team, and every time we go over there, it's just a great experience, and uh, it's it's good for our players too because. It gets them exposed to the big world that's out there, and sometimes they live in their own little bubble. And uh, and also from the fact that, you know, if they continue to play basketball at the professional level, there's a really good chance that a lot of them are going to be overseas at some point. And, and I think it helps you develop as a, as a overall as a human being. Well, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm just so impressed with the number of ballmakers that's playing overseas, that have played overseas, that have great careers overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Follow, follow most of the guys. So it's such a blessing, man, because, you know, you need to get it out of your system. You need to make sure you're exhausted because this time's going to go by quickly. You're only going to be a kid for so long. Then you have to get a real job. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So God bless you to, to play basketball, man, and, and do it the way you, kids are doing. You go play a power five country uh, uh, college and be able to do what they've been able to do at that kind of level, and then you guys give them exposure to find out what their life is like. That that's huge. I mean, that's huge because you know the percentages of playing the NBA, right? You know, right. A lot, a lot of dominoes got to fall your way for that to happen. So, 
Uh, I, I love it. I love the fact that they're still playing and they got you know plenty of time. You know, Lord bless them to be sixty five years old like I am. They got plenty of time to, to do the other. Stuff. Yeah, I always, we always tell guys that you know uh, there'd be a lot of people in this world that would trade places with a guy that could go overseas and play a game for a living. Um, for, you know that's a, that's a pretty good deal. So, well, tell us now. I know you 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 live down in Georgia and you're still around the game. Um, you know, I know when you communicate with us, we're like we I said at the beginning of the show, we're asking you about players in your area from time to time, and uh, and you make it back here to Mackey. We see you in Mackey from time to time as well. So talk about just being around the game now in your life. Well, you know, I, I was not planning to be around the game, but the game was planning to be around me. Yeah, hard to get rid <laughs> of it, right? Absolutely. God had different uh, – God, God laughed at my plans, so I stopped listening to my own plans. <laughs> <laughs> when I moved here, I moved here because I met the phenomenal young lady who happened to be my bride right now, 20 years now. Congrats, and, congrats. Thank you. We moved here for business reasons. I was done with all the basketball stuff I've been blessed to do in Fort Wayne. Been able to do some amazing. I, you know, most people don't know, but I coached Brad Miller in, in AAU. <laughs> you know. There we but, go. Yeah, but I mean, those kind of things that we've been able to do. We started a travel basketball organization here. We've been blessed to have help over 120 kids find their college home for us athletically and academically. And some of our kids are uh, names that you guys might know. A couple of names you might know is Hunter Henry. You know, just signed thirty-seven million. Yeah. Patriots. He's one of my kids since he's in eighth grade. His family is like family to me. You know, we've got a lot of kids. We have aerospace engineers that came to our program for six or seven years. They've been to us since seventh, eighth grade. Now they're amazing pilots, attorneys. Darren Archibald is one of my kids. You know, it, it's just a blessing when you uh, when you find out your purpose and my purpose has always been the kid business and while I was before when I was very very involved I was able to uh, do some fundraising things for Allen County Society bringing NBA players like Isaiah and Dominique and Ronnie Harper and those kind of guys yeah we raised dollars thousands of thousands of dollars for cooking children big brothers big sisters so those kind of things I'm involved in I have a CEO of a program called an organization called impacting our youth uh, when kids couldn't parents couldn't find funds uh, for laptops when schools shut down because of the pandemic and they had to do their schoolwork. We were blessed to go out and raise money uh, to sponsor uh, 50 kids, to, to buy computers for 50 kids. Wow. And so those, those are the kind of things that we're, we're involved in. It's just a passion, a ministry. Uh, and then, you know, uh, writing a book was probably the toughest thing I've ever done because I wanted to be transparent. You know, I wanted to tell my story, good, bad, and difference. Anybody read the book will know that I'm being very transparent about my life. I was a sinner and a sinner, like everybody else, and just trying to get better and just trying to inspire people to tell the truth and to live their life. Because I wanted my kids and my grandkids to know the truth and know the Jordan family, know our history, know uh, who their grandparents were, know who their, who their granddad was. No, I was not perfect to know. Uh, regardless of what you hear about me as far as basketball, that doesn't mean anything. The only thing that matters is what kind of person I was and that kind of thing. So uh, it's been really the most rewarding and therapeutic thing I've ever done. I'm at peace for the first time in my life in a long, long time. Wow. I, thank God. I thank God for that. I'm at complete peace. That is great, great to hear. And, and I got to think that, you know, from your humble beginnings in Fort Wayne, to be able to do things like this, to give back, and to influence so many young people now, that's got to be 
very, very rewarding for you. It, 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 it brings me to tears. Uh, the love that I've gotten since I wrote the book, I think I sold close to 4,000 copies already. We just had the first book. And yeah. it, it just blows me away. I mean, on this tour in Indianapolis, I, well, I had a high school teammate uh, play backcourt with me, Tom Madden. I'm tearing up. I'm sorry. But he played backcourt with me. And he didn't look like me. He's a white guy. Yeah. And I know me. I don't pay attention to isms at all. But it's, it's a situation where um, he lives in Florida. And I'm at the, the first day of my book signing on Tuesday, heading home to get rest for the next full day, four different stops. I get a text message from Tom Madden says, hey, Walt, I'm flying in tomorrow. I need a picture. I need my book signed. He flew in from Florida. <laughs> wow. So, so then that was just to take pictures when they have dinner with me. And he gets books signed. And if that don't cheer you up, yeah, that's that's pretty yeah. inspiring stuff right there. And Walter, I mean, how, and how gratifying with your Team Impact AAU program that you're such a huge part of. I mean, a program that when you started, it was just one team of basically some some young kids that were looking for a chance to play some summer basketball. And now I think I read you're up to like two hundred or. 175 yeah. kids that are in that in that program, and almost every one of them ends up in college. Maybe not playing basketball, but they they find their way to college and ultimately earn a college degree. I appreciate you bringing it up because it, it, that's my baby, uh, and it's my it's my ministry. You know, I I use basketball to get the kids whatever they're 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 they're, they're, they're excited about their passion about we need to get involved in that let them know the real deal about life and also educate the parents about what's needed because yeah. a lot of times the adults that's out here that don't understand first of all you gotta let a kid know kid there's three things a kid want to know okay first of all do you care about them? second of all can you help them get better third of all can you help them get where they want to go yeah. that's the only thing they, they don't want to know how great i was you know they can google that right 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 <laughs> you know so my thing is to, 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 to get into their heart, find out their vision, learn to listen. I listen to kids. What, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you, what's your problem? What, what's your, can I help you? And that's all I care about. Can I help that kid, each individual that comes through there? And that's what, what happened. We started with that one team. Then the word got out. Hey, can you do this for my son? Can you do this for that kid? Can you do this? And so the next day, the next trial, we don't do any advertising. We post the dates and time on social media. The next trial, we have 200-some kids show up for trials. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and I, I said, if God brings us, bring them to us, we have to try to find a way to figure out what he wants us to do with them. So God has blessed me with an awesome team. I've got coaches and, and staff and team moms that have been with you for 15 years. And they're all professional people. They're all uh, you know, professionals, business professionals, got college degrees, got a guy who's a doctor, another guy's a dentist. They're coaching, they're volunteering, coming out and coaching, and they're friends and family members of ours now. And so we got former players that just gone, got their degrees, and come back. They're coaching now, so they're involved in the program. So it, it's a family affair, and uh, I, I just owe all the guys. It's all guys anyway. So I just turn everything over to him. I'm 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 energetic at my age. People say, "Well, how you do it?" I say, "Well, yeah, it's, it's the kids. It's the kids that are excited about life. I wake up excited about life. I don't I don't wake, wake up and listen to the news or get beat up by whatever going on. It's a different world. I live in world A. The real world's in in, in world B. I don't get confident. I, I know what's going on in world B, but I don't let it dictate my life. I don't let it dictate my attitude in the morning. 
I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. Who can I help? What, what, what do you want me to do today, Lord? Okay, I'll turn in about noon and I'll check and see what's going on. But that's it. It's about 15 minutes. I'm good. Yeah, those, I'm good. those are wise words because World B <laughs> will beat you down. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. So, <laughs> Hey, Walter, we do a final four questions as we wrap up the podcast here with all of our guests. And so I want to get to our final four with you. Um, and these are kind of off the beaten path questions that we like to ask. And our first question here on the final four with Walter Jordan is what is your go-to music of choice? <laughs> That's a great question. Well, I'm, I'm old school. So <laughs> R and B baby. There R&B. we go. There uh, we go. OJ's, Temptations, you name it, Manhattan's, uh, Phil Collins. I like Phil Collins. So I mix it up a little bit, but uh, Kenny G, I like jazz. I mix it up a little bit, but R&B is my go-to music. Nice. Very nice. Question two on the final four. What is your favorite all-time book or maybe a good book you've read recently? And with the only caveat being you can't plug (laughs) Gracefully Broken. We've already done that. So (laughs) You guys make it tough. No, it's a couple books that that I've read recently that I really like. The first one's called The Energy Bus. By John Gordon, I strongly recommend it. Uh, the Ten Rules, through your life, your work, your team, and positive energy. It's phenomenal. I recommend it to a lot of my kids. Uh, and the second one I recently read was Toughness. You probably heard about that, Jay Bill. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Th- those two books I, I, I've read recently, and I, I'm an avid reader, so I read a lot. So those those are the two books uh, that I read. And so is your, do, you ba- do you mainly read... Um... You know, personal development type books, or do you ever absolutely. venture out? I, I, I do. That's my favorite. It's, it's, uh, I love the documentaries you see on TV. I love all that stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I, I read stuff that's going to build me up and inspire me uh, more than anything. Then, of course, I read the Bible. And then I got something called the Sports Bible that I read. That's related. I, I strongly recommend anybody that has faith. It's phenomenal. It, it talks about life and, and scripture through life and sports. Oh wow! It, it's 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 a, it's a gift that was given to me about a year ago, and I carry it everywhere I go. It's it's, it's amazing, amazing. But the sports bible. That's very so, cool. Yes. Okay. Third question here on the final four: If you could wave a wand and do any profession starting tomorrow, what would that be? Wow, <laughs> uh, that's a deep question. I've, I've lived a full life. Uh, I, I really have. God has tremendously blessed me. Um, that's a tough question. I, I would probably say that's that, that's really tough for me because, I, like I said, I don't I don't look back. I read anything. Well, and you seem like a very fulfilled person, so I I would imagine this would be a little tough that you're so content in your path that might be hard I, for you to venture out. Yeah, I, I would say basically just basically uh, help Purdue. Uh, get to the final four and Matt Painter win a championship. There we go. Well, that's 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 <laughs> yeah. something we can all get behind. I like there. that one. We like that. <laughs> well, with if if we can get that done, I I got a couple tickets waiting on you. So <laughs> that's awesome. I'll see you in New Orleans. There we go. There we go. Uh, last question here on the final four. What is uh, something that no one or a little known fact about you? Something no one knows about Walter Jordan or a very little known fact. Now, this is tough for a guy who's, who's written a book because you put a lot of that stuff in the book. Okay. Don't say it's out there. <laughs> no. Um, that I that I, I laugh a lot and I'm silly. 
I, I loved last. I mean, when I was at Purdue, <clears throat> all the football players, and we would go around and, and the basketball player. And I think I, I started and I would just see, I would see football players. So, do you know you're great? You're great. You're great. And you're the greatest. And everybody started doing it. Everybody. <laughs> three years, we walk around campus, even with our girlfriends. Do you know you're great? You're <laughs> great. And so I, I'm silly. And, and uh, my friends used to call me the king of fun because I just like having fun. I love I love having fun. I love laughing. I like to make people laugh. My goal and, and my goal every day in my house is to make my, my wife smile at least five times a day. That's my goal. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. And that's Absolutely. that might be one of the reasons why why so many kids probably gravitate towards you and have such a good time with you, and why you're so successful in that endeavor. I would think that uh, I know. Well, even to this day, I'm still a kid at heart. I would I like being around. You would fit in really well in the offices here, Walter, because <laughs> well, I think I uh, Coach Painter and the and all of us like to have a good time when we're when we're uh, working all these hours. Well, absolutely. Well, that's why you guys built the program that you built because of that. And I, I, I see that, and I see that the guys just love it. I mean, guys can make decisions to do this and this and that, but they stay put because that tells you a lot about the character and the environment and the program you built. And, and that's what I look at. I look at, okay, this, this, he's not one of those. He knows at home. He knows he's loved. He you knows you guys can help him get where he wants to go. And that that's special to me. As an alumni, that's really special to me because a lot of programs don't have that. I salute you guys. Well, we really appreciate it. And we appreciate you taking time to join us today. And um, like I said before, we, we, we look forward to seeing you and Mackie. I know you try to make it back once or twice a year. And uh, as you look at the calendar this year to get back, we uh, we look forward to, to seeing you up there in the stands and, and talking to our team a little bit. And before we say goodbye, Walter, I do want – I just want to personally say uh, I love – I love – I don't like – I love – your daily inspirational messages that you put on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if you do that on purpose, if it's something you try to do every day, or maybe it just kind of randomly happens for you. But uh, for our listeners, uh, you can find Walter at uh, at Walt underscore Jordan, uh, at Walt underscore Jordan. It seems like every day, Walter, when I uh, check the Twitter feed in the morning, morning, you have something on there that uh, either inspires me or puts me in a good mood or puts a smile on my face or or something. So you are you're one of my very favorite Twitter followers. I just wanted you to know that, Walt, because you have some some really right. good stuff every every day on Twitter. It seems like. Well, thank you for that. That that means the world for me because I believe in affirmations. Every every day I wake up trying to have a positive attitude. I'll say something to myself every morning. If it if it clicks, I'll I'll, I'll tweet it. But you know, like I woke up this morning, say it's going to be a phenomenal day. Yes, I'm so blessed. That's it. I'm anointed to do great things today. I, I always say that every morning before I get out of bed, I say that to myself because I believe attitude is everything. I, I determine my attitude for the day. I determine what's going to happen today. Not the world, not the TV, not negative, whatever happens, I determine that. So if I can help one or two people feel that way and get their day started, then I want to do that. So uh, it's just something that comes through through prayer and through faith and through family and through my life, and I just try to express it. So I really, that means a lot to hear you say that. That means the world to me. So real, real quick, guys, if you guys don't mind, I like to plug my time in West Lafayette since I'll be there uh, at, at uh, I think it's November 20th. I'll be at my good friend uh, for since college days, Jerry O'Brien's place. Okay. Nine, yeah, nine, nine Irish brothers. 
Right, exactly. On the 20th, I'll be there for a book signing. Uh, so I'll, I'll post that and hopefully get that guy that information to you guys so you guys can help me out and make sure people know about it. But I definitely want to post. I want to see some people from West Lafayette and see some old friends. Absolutely. So. Saturday, November 20th at Nine Irish Brothers. And we'll, uh, I know Rob mentioned your Twitter handle. We'll have some people check that out. I'm sure there'll be info there. And we'll uh, we'll post that on the Boiler Ball account as well. So, Walter, Appreciate thanks so much. Appreciate you guys so much. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Let's go, Boilers. Let's get uh, win number four on Saturday, and let's try to get a bowl game. I hear that. Let's do that, and then we'll <laughs> lead, hopefully lead right into a successful basketball season. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Thanks, Walter. <laughs> Appreciate the time, buddy. All right, guys. Thank you, guys. See you all. All right, that that was Walter Jordan here on episode 78 of the podcast. We appreciate everyone listening. And until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well. Good night, everyone.